0: I'm Mel. And I'm Tosh. And we welcome you to another episode of Mahogany Mammology, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black Motherhood. And this week, we would love to actually congratulate Miss Gladys May West. She's our Momologist of the Week. She actually was an American mathematician known for her contributions to the mathematics underpinning global positioning systems as you guys may know GPS Ooh. I know right in 1956 Miss West began to work at the Naval Surface Warfare Center um, the Dow Green division where she was the second black woman to ever be employed. Ooh. West began to collect data from satellites, eventually leading to the development of the GPS, and then she was actually inducted to the U.S. Air Force Hall of Fame last year, 2018, one of the Air Force Space Command's highest honors. She is a proud mother of three adult children and seven grandchildren. Congratulations,
1: Miss West. Congratulations, Mama West. You are truly a hidden figure. Yes, she is. Right? I need someone to do a movie of her. (laughs) <laughs> probably <laughs> All right, I want you guys to save the date, Dallas. We are doing a live show. <laughs> February 23rd 2019 at three o'clock uh, we will have a live episode powered in part by Mama Moore's Gourmet Popcorn and St. Philip's School and Community Center. Tickets will be available soon um, so be sure to be on the lookout on social media for more information and now on to the show. The struggles with infertility are not new in the medical community.
0: Technologies and science have allowed success in assisted reproduction. However, the process can be dramatic and isolating. Even Michelle Obama has revealed issues of infertility and miscarriage in her book, Becoming. Why this issue of conception is so taboo in the black community. Today, we're discussing the journey of having a quote-unquote rainbow baby with our guest, Tiffany Finley.
2: Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, let's give your bio
1: first. So, Miss <laughs> <Ms. laughs> Tiffany Finley is a founder of Predestined 1, a faith-based nonprofit in Dallas, Texas, supporting resources, education, and encouragement to women and couples affected by premature birth and women and couples struggling to conceive due to infertility diagnosis. She is also a writer and blogger at TiffanyFinley.com, where she openly shares about her journey to motherhood after being diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome in her mid-20s. Again, welcome. Thank you. Thank All you right. for having me. So let's go ahead and start by describing the term Rainbow baby, right? Mm -hmm. A rainbow baby is a baby that is conceived
2: after you've had a previous loss or miscarriage, Mm -hmm. Um, and so the term rainbow baby just comes from you know they say a rainbow after the storm, after it rains, after the storm there's a rainbow. After the storm of you know encountering a miscarriage or a stillbirth or whatever, and then you you conceive again, and you know a viable pregnancy.
1: That's what the term rainbow baby entails. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So tell me, how did you? you feel after that initial diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome?
2: Um, after the initial diagnosis, to be honest When my OB told me At the time She was just Very very honest She was like You're going to need Help getting pregnant Because you know This particular Diagnosis You're not going to be Able to get pregnant On your own You don't ovulate On your own And you know repeat with irre- Having um, irregularities With your menstrual cycle So she said You are going to Have to seek out help And so When she told me That I was like Okay cool You know We'll have to Go you know Get a little bit of help That'll, That won't That won't be You know Anything That'll be fine It won't be anything I didn't in, in my mind, at that time in my mid-20s, it didn't register to me that it was not just going to be this. You know, this thing where... It, it, you it, go it to a grocery store
0: with an over-counter drug right, situation. Like, like yeah. there's, a,
2: there's a whole process right. to trying to conceive because of this diagnosis. So, it just didn't register with me at the time that it was going to be a journey, like a true, real journey. And wow. even in your
1: mid-20s, <laughs> were you in a serious relationship or anything like that? Actually, I was engaged at the time. Ah. My fiancé
2: at the time, who is my now husband, Okay, um, he knew about the diagnosis he was aware that we were going to need help trying to conceive once we were ready to start our family so he was you know he supported me the whole way Mm -hmm. um knew what was going on and supported me and was like hey we're going to do this it's Mm going to be fine you know we'll have our babies when we're ready to have babies and so you know he was very supportive
1: okay okay awesome nice Mm -hmm.
0: nice i'm curious you know um we've, we've been reading your book um why didn't you want to talk about your struggle with infertili- about infertility with your friends and family
2: I until didn't, recently? I didn't want to talk about it. So when I initially got diagnosed, first of all, I didn't know anything about PCOS. That was my first time hearing of it, first of all. And so there was shame there. Mm. Um, I felt shame because I was a black woman who got diagnosed as infertile and in our community we're perceived especially black women as being fertile, no problem getting pregnant, no problem having children and so I was ashamed to let any friend or family know that I was going through this because I felt that they were going to blame me for not being able to conceive. Mm. Um, And that may not have been true but I just felt, you know, if I tell people I felt like they were going to blame me for being infertile. It was something that i done, something that I could have prevented. You caused this. Um, so there was a lot of shame there and not wanting to be judged by my family and friends.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's a great segue, actually, into my next question, because you mentioned, you know, just being a Black woman, you individually felt some kind of shame. I think, why is that, why is that notion so pervasive uh, in the Black community? I mean, at least amongst ch- child-rearing Black women. Why do you feel like like that's, that feel like it's It's our fault, you know, because, I mean, our bodies are our bodies, right? Our organs, no matter what race, you know, and makeup we come from, it all functions the same way. So why specifically towards black women is it that? Perhaps we
0: carry, because we're carrying the child for um, Mm -hmm. nine, ten months or Mm -hmm. what have you. Um, perhaps because it sits in within us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more like this biological thought process. We're the nurturing ones. Mm-hmm. We're, so we're supposed to be childbearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's some people who want to throw some scripture to it and reference some part of the Bible that says, if, you know, if you aren't what the childbearing situation, I forget what scripture it is, but I, I think that's where that's coming from.
1: Mm-hmm. People and want I, to throw I, that out I, there. I, I, I'm sure that other races probably feel yeah. like, yeah. you know, that's that's how they perceive mm-hmm. themselves. Like, why? Yeah. But I guess more, and I don't know, maybe. Are they more um, expressive to each other about having these kind of infertility issues? I'm just wondering. Other like, ethnicities? Yeah, other, other ethnicities. Um, you know what I mean? Not to, We can't speak on them. Yeah. You know, other ethnicities. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Like, um, well, I do think that in other ethnicities, they are more willing and open to talk about it. Whereas in our community, I feel like, you know, talking about infertility and sharing what the diagnosis is and why you're going through it and, that type of thing, um, I don't know. It just feels like people kind of, it's, I'll speak for myself personally, I felt like people were going to blame me because this something that my body was supposed to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And so because it's something that my body is supposed to be able to do, I'm supposed to be able to reproduce. I'm supposed to be able to, you know, carry a child and do it on my own. So not not being able to do that and then to tell someone else that I've been diagnosed with this and I'm not able to do that, you don't know how they're gonna perceive you. And that's scary. At least for me that was scary. Like I didn't know how they were gonna take me saying, Hey, I've been diagnosed with PCOS. I'm gonna to have to go to a reproductive endocrinologist to get pregnant, and that whole you know conversation. Like, I didn't know how they were going to, you know, perceive it, and if they were even going to empathize or sympathize with me. Mm-hmm. So, for me,
0: we allow we allow people to take over our thought process
1: mm-hmm. yeah, in handling
0: things. I mean, mm-hmm. that's
1: human. I think that's human behavior too. Yeah, I yeah. Think, you know, but you know, these issues. I, I don't know, like I've, I've known women in the past who've had, who had to go through yeah. assisted reproductive treatment. Yeah. So, you know, I, and they're, they're not isolated situations. So I was just kind of like, well, why, why aren't we, you know, why don't we share it more? Why do yeah. we feel like this is our own internal battle we have to deal yeah. with? You know? Yeah. So, and
2: again, I think it's shame. Yeah. I think it's shame. Even when I first got diagnosed until the point where i decided to start talking about it in 2015 right before I made the decision I still had shame like oh my god you know am I do I really want to let people know that I'm dealing with this diagnosis do I really want to let people in on what all it entails and how I'm feeling trying to get pregnant you know do I really want to let people know the fullness <laughs> of what I'm going through in my journey and emotionally, physically, psychologically, like just the whole nine. And so there's there's a lot of shame there.
1: And I guess being more vulnerable mm-hmm. too, you know, yeah. you're you're, be, you're opening that possibility yeah. of, of being judged. Yes. And I use that term. Yes, it's a scary I mean? thing. Yeah, 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 for sure. So you let people in yeah yeah you mm-hmm. never know. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised, which goes to our next question, mm-hmm. which is um, <laughs> um,
0: have other women revealed to you their fertility struggles and concerns since publishing, or at, I guess at what point? because you just you just received your book published. Mm-hmm. you've been yeah. in this I don't want to say, um. I'll say arena. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say industry because that mm-hmm. seems kind of weird. Mm-hmm. um arena of infertility and being an advocate. Mm-hmm. at what point did other women start coming to you and, and mm-hmm. saying, hey, thanks for doing that i'm I'm actually feeling this way too.
2: In 2015, when I just went full-fledged open with it, I I really allowed myself to become an open book. I started discussing, you know, raising awareness about miscarriage, raising awareness about PCOS, one in eight women being diagnosed, miscarriage, one in four women will miscarry or lose a baby. And once I just started the conversation and allowed people to know, hey, let's break this silence. Like, we need to know other women that are going through this so we can build this community of women to know, hey, you're not in this alone. You're not alone. I'm not alone You know I support you We can help each other So I think once I began to like, I remember just posting on Facebook, okay. um, you know, my own journey and struggles and people would instant message me, personal message me and be like, you know what? I've been diagnosed with PCOS. Oh, you know what? I, I lost a bit. Like people that I know personally, but I didn't even know that they too been diagnosed or people that had, you know, endured loss, had gone mm-hmm. through miscarriage. Like I didn't even know they'd miscarry. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it usually happens. Like you go through something and you encounter something, miscarriage or infertility diagnosis and you start opening up about it then other people start coming to you and saying hey I deal with this too and I think that's a good thing because that lets that person know you're not in this alone like we are all in this together we need each other you know and someone else needs to hear your journey someone else needs to hear your story Mm -hmm. and so um Once I began opening up and just sharing, lots of women start coming to me and telling me just their journey of loss or their journey of being diagnosed or feeling hopeless or feeling like, you know, so much shame. And so that... That's that's where my whole process of birthing, you know, my predestined one, to be able to provide support and resources to women who are walking through it because it is isolating and you Mm -hmm. feel like you're the only one going through it. And so that's where my predestined one was birthed, out of that journey.
0: Interesting because I I wasn't sure if you were going to say, like your doctor recommended a support group Mm -mm. at no time.
1: Mm -mm. I don't think any doctors...
0: I don't know I'm, that it I'm, exists. You know what? I'm, I'm not, not going
1: to make that sweeping generalization. The people that I've known who've mm-hmm. revealed to me, mm-hmm. they have not um, said that doctors yeah. had referred them either even to a psychologist. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they haven't referred. They're just like, here, here's your diagnosis, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, here are your options, and, mm-hmm. that, and that's that. Yeah. Not this- to say, you know, they. It would be in the best practice yeah. as a medical doctor to say, "Hey, you know, here's a psychologist. Here's a support group. You know, to yeah, give, like the whole lactation thing. Yeah, you give have problem, an, if you, you know, have a problem,
0: you know, giving you know, breastfeeding, you get like a whole laundry list of support. Yeah, a l- list to a degree. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. You know, there's like different clubs and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, was there is there not a such a thing for?
1: Yeah, you you it
2: would think though, so.
1: right? Yeah. yeah,
2: you would think, but I when again, I just I based This on my own personal journey. I can't speak to anyone else. But when I was diagnosed, nobody came to me and was like, hey, here's this support group of women who are going through infertility. Like, I didn't know anything about an infertility support group. Mm. I didn't know anything about a support group for women who had miscarriages. Like, I knew nothing about all of that. It wasn't until I launched my own, um, launched my own, founded my own organization that I began to see other organizations that help women through, you know, miscarriage and, you know, baby loss or infertility. But prior Uh
1: to that, I didn't know... Any, I didn't know anything about any of those types of resources for sure at all. For sure, and I even <laughs> think about now. To let's say, let's say two thousand eight, but it's 2000, mm-hmm. 2009 just started. Mm-hmm. But I also think like what helps um, lessen or. Or more awareness, in addition to other people in the community, I think there are more celebrities now—black mm-hmm. women celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, Beyoncé mm-hmm. revealed, mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Michelle Obama, and mm-hmm. more so, what's Gabrielle her name? Union. Gabrielle yeah. Union, mm-hmm. she has mm-hmm. revealed so, and Tyra Banks, and Tyra Banks. That's right, that's mm-hmm. right. And so, I think you know when you see those women at, you would think that they're at the peak of, you know, they yeah. celebrity dumb. Yeah. you know, and, yeah. and they're just human beings. Yeah, I they're think. human
2: beings as well who desire to. Be be moms. Yeah. And it has it was not easy for them. So right. they had to take an alternative, you know, route. Right. And so I think it helps whether you're a celebrity, whether you're a store clerk whatever like when you share that part of your journey of when you open up about it and begin to share quite naturally other women is going to be like oh well Correct. I'm not the only one right. you know it
1: doesn't it makes you not feel so alone and I just yeah. say like just being having those high profile women yeah. speak I guess makes yeah. it more humanizing yes you mm-hmm. know? absolutely mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Definitely. that's my thoughts oh. um prior to or during your journey had you ever considered adoption i did not okay i didn't ever consider adoption um
2: in my mind i i felt like you know this is going to be a process i really wanted to birth my own children and that that has you know this it doesn't go against anybody else who wants to adopt. I'm all for adoption. If I, you know, ever have to adopt, I will. Um, But that wasn't something that I thought about at the time. My focus was truly on, you know, let's get through this, you know, round one of IVF and see if it's going to be successful. Or let's do this frozen embryo transfer number two and hope that it's successful. So for at that time, for my husband and I, it was more of us using our own embryos. And Mm -hmm. that's where we were. We were in the process of still trying to make it happen with IVF through IVF.
1: Okay, cool.
0: And did you ever, I mean, well, it sounds like not even along those lines, perhaps a surrogate?
2: No, I never thought about a surrogate. I never thought about a surrogate. Um, Because for, like, for me... The issue was I didn't ovulate on my own, and so they had to stimulate ovulation. And once ovulation was stimulated, um, you know, grabbing, doing, going through the whole process of IVF and get doing the egg retrieval and getting my husband's sperm. So we were in that process. Um, but that's not to say like had we gone through a bump in the road where hey your egg you're your, you don't have good quality eggs or something like that. I mean then we would have considered sure. other alternatives. Okay. But for us that wasn't. We we weren't having issues with like egg quality or firm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. or anything like that. So we were still in the process of let's do this via IVF and
1: use our own eggs. So it's kind of our... like your doctor was, <coughs> given your diagnosis, your doctor really gave you some high percentage mm-hmm. of being able to, mm-hmm. to conceive. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. why it made me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like it was caught early on, or that you
0: were diagnosed early on yes. in the
2: stage. Yes, that- yes. Okay. okay. I, I was diagnosed when I was about twenty five, twenty six, mm-hmm. and so. But we didn't actually do our IVF um, process, go to reproductive endocrinology until I was about twenty nine, thirty. Okay. And so at that time, my my you know my doctor at that time was like, "Hey, you're still young. Yeah, You have the egg quality, and you know." So that's why I never kept We never considered adoption yeah. or, or a surrogate.
0: Sense. Okay. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. Cool. You have this new book? I do. Tell <laughs> us tell us the title what's what's going on? Um this
2: book is called A Fearless Journey to Motherhood: Fighting Fear with Faith During Infertility and in Pregnancy. Ooh. It is a 7-day devotional. Not only is it a devotional, it is also like your own personal little journal because there are pages in this book where you just get to write what you're releasing fear of. Um, You get to write out your thoughts surrounding fear, how you're going to overcome fear. I mean, it's just an amazing book. Um, So, yeah, and um, I wrote this book because um, I myself have dealt with a lot of fear, fear surrounding um, prior to conceiving my son after, you know, enduring two miscarriages six months apart. A lot of fear set in and I began to feel like, man, what if I never become a mom or, mm. you know, what if I never get pregnant or what if I get pregnant and miscarry again? And even after we conceived our son, I still had fear. I feared, well, what if something happens? Like, I couldn't totally enjoy my pregnancy oh, because no. I was just so afraid of this is too good to be true. Something is going to happen. I was I couldn't fully the embrace whole it. whole
0: nine, 10 months you didn't well, enjoy.
2: Well, he was born a 25 week micro preemie. <gasps> oh. Oh. Up, yes, he ended up coming right oh. at twenty-five plus five. So yeah.
1: Yeah. You were fear the fear was the entire pregnancy. Because yes. you never know. Was that yes. was that like you know, a
0: diagnosis know. that's like common, like if you Going through the PCOS and then the odds of you having a preemie is that part no. of the game? Is that part of this? No, or okay. I think it
2: was. It's totally unrelated. Okay. I, I ended up giving birth prematurely because I was I had an incompetent cervix. Okay, and okay. And so, mm-hmm. and so I went in for a regular doctor's appointment um, with the doctor and. Didn't go home. Ended up being hospitalized sure. on a street mm. hospital bed, rest because had an incompetent cervix, bulging water bag bulging water bag, and I dilated. I think at that time like one and a half centimeters, and so that did was- he
1: did the doctor induce you?
2: No, no, okay. no. I ended up having to have a cesarean.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, I ended up having to have a cesarean, but um, my son came at twenty five weeks. So again, <laughs> when we conceived him, like I was super excited. So over the moon excited, but inside of me, there was still fear, like, what if something happens and Mm. I lose this baby? So while I was happy, like, I didn't allow myself to fully embrace my pregnancy, if that makes sense. Because I was afraid. Mm -hmm. And so walking through that whole journey of fear during infertility, never conceiving, and then having conceived and afraid something's going to happen, you know, while I'm pregnant, that's where this book was birthed from. Because... I know there are women out there who are just fearful, fearful of, you know, not being a mom or once you become a mom after you've endured so many miscarriages or child loss, um, you know, not having a viable pregnancy or not being able to hold your baby or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So this book was birthed from my own personal journey of trying to overcome fear with faith.
1: Okay. Was there a reason you put certain prayers in your book on certain days, or how how was the guideline for that?
2: I wanted—so I wanted— each day to be consistent. So if okay. the if the scripture focus was, you know, on day two, I think it's Isaiah twenty-six and three. He will keep in perfect peace. He will keep you in perfect peace. All those who keep their mind and heart stayed on Him. So mm-hmm. I wanted that whole day, even the prayer starter, to be about Lord, give me peace. Help me to walk peacefully. You know, during this journey, help me to remain peaceful. Help me to keep my thoughts on You. Help me to keep my mind on You. So that's how the prayers come about. I just, mm-hmm. I wanted the prayers to be consistent with what I was talking about on that day and then it being a prayer starter into you um, you asking God to give you peace or whatever the topic is for the day, you asking God to give you peace and help you keep you know, your mind stayed on him while you're walking through your journey of infertility or while you're walking through the journey of being pregnant but you're still fearful to overcome those fears.
0: Speaking of the prayers and mm-hmm. on certain days, as you mentioned, um, all of the book... Really revolves around the emotional trauma and infertility. Mm-hmm. What I, I found, um, and, and Tasha, you can correct me on your thoughts, but um, it really could also be a healing for those who've experienced trauma births, um, as well as too just walking through faith of God Mm -hmm. as well just it it didn't necessarily have to just be about infertility what what are your guys thoughts on on that that's how I was reading it
2: I totally agree for any person who's walking through fear in any area of their lives um, God didn't give us a spirit of fear but power love and a sound mind and so but in order for us to release that fear Mm -hmm. we have to have something to look up to and something to look forward to Mm -hmm. and so I think my book although it says you know during infertility and pregnancy it can be for anybody who's walking, you know, with fear of whatever and knowing that God is with them in that process. And if they keep their eyes on God and their hearts and their minds on God, God will help them to be able to overcome that fear. And if you relinquish your fears and, you know, cling to what God's promises says and I don't mean to sound churchy. No, you,
0: you don't sound churchy at, at all. No. In fact, I bring it up because, you know, we have listeners of who listen to us for various reasons. And I kind of was trying to look at the book from a different angle um, for someone who, well, is it just for? this could be for anybody it doesn't it, have to
1: be it doesn't have to be but I like how me. she laid it
0: out is what I'm saying because it's like yes, that's why I like how you asked the question like does each prayer yeah. have to be on a certain day and I liked how yes it is laid out a certain yeah. way because yeah. each day but
2: builds like it's a slow walk and journey through I'm right. releasing this right. fear and okay. the more that I'm releasing fear daily I'm okay. getting closer to you know holding on to my faith yeah. and growing in my faith in God and who he says that I am and mm-hmm. what yeah. I can overcome and that everything Things gonna be okay. You know? So, a
1: spiritual journey. Yes, it's to, a spiritual journey to, I guess, recovery. I don't know if I want to use that term, recovery, or just um, Get, remove any fear to, or doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: from mm-hmm. that. All a right, a spiritual journey to being becoming fearless, not being grappled right. and in bondage to come fear. Come on now, come mm-hmm. on. Just my church in. fan. <laughs> okay. no.
0: you didn't bring a church
1: fan. Today? No, I did not. Well, that's collection plate. <laughs> Look, I need some of y'all well, to you all listeners
0: that collection plate. And,
1: and kind of the piggyback to the question of um, using your book, trauma post conception. I was thinking, all right, case in point. You you said you had the cesarean. Were you having even any fear? Although you know he was premature and he was oh, in the yeah. NICU, and you know, so that fear, yeah. was still. Until mm-hmm. Even post conception, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. So at what point, I guess, at, at when did you? release some of that fear or that fear even reduce itself because even you would take him home and you'd, oh, yeah. you'd be we, like yeah when not you become fearless right I became
2: fearless <laughs> so every day that we would visit my son's name is Caleb he's six every day that we would visit him in the NICU the neonatologists and doctors and everybody that worked with him would be like oh my gosh he's so sick you know he's not having a good day today he's really really sick he's really really sick and I got so tired of hearing hearing that because that was just further like you know helping me be more fearful and <laughs> so my husband and I was like like look I said I have to we have to go to the chapel I need to pray
0: Hmm. we need to go to
2: chapel we need to pray we went to chapel and we prayed we were in there maybe like 30 45 minutes just I mean, just snobbing and pouring our heart out to God. And it was at that moment and pouring my heart out to God and saying, God, I know you didn't bring us this far for it to end with me losing this this child. Okay. I know this child is from you. I know you didn't bring me this far for it to, you know, just crumble. And I poured my heart out to God, just letting him know, you know, I, I, need, you to, I need you to intervene in this situation. And so after pouring my heart out to God in that chapel, I got up, I wiped my face. And that's when my journey of feeling fearless began. I walked back in that NICU. And I would pray over Caleb, I would speak life over Caleb, I would speak the word of God over him. My husband and I would pray over Caleb before we would leave. Of course, we can always put our hands in the incubator, but we would lay our hands on top of the incubator. Mm-hmm. And we just prayed. Like we had, we, it was so beyond us. And all we had was to was to depend on God and our faith. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was all on God. We were like, God, you know, we know you're a God that does the impossible, you're a God that works miracles. Nothing is too hard for you. We need a miracle. I need a miracle for my son. And so So that's just what it was for us. And so we just... Mm. prayed over him and stood on faith that's all we had to stand on we mm-hmm. stood on faith and yeah the, were there some days that I would walk in there and I would see things and see him not doing so well and fear would try to come yes it would but I would have to immerse myself in the word of God and rem- mm. God reminded me of who he is you yeah, know and yeah. so that's the difference that's the difference and
1: mm-hmm. God wow. surrounded you with miracle workers and yes, Nick you to absolutely. help provide the vehicle absolutely
2: Ooh. they were angels <laughs> angels I love
1: it
0: bring it to yes. us bring it <laughs> yes. Yes. Come on is- down the
1: aisle. <laughs> <laughs> so where where were we? we kind of got um, sidetracked a little bit. So, <laughs> no, no, it's
0: it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know one of the one of the days of prayer. I think it's day two. Mm-hmm. You talk about being a person who worries mm-hmm. a lot. What are some examples of walking in faith and not in fear? Well, and you start well, I mean, to I mean, yeah, Well, but that, it? but I mean, in terms of maybe yeah. somewhat, what someone else can do. Sure. Mm-hmm.
2: So for me, in in this book, um, this book is intentionally about meditating on the scriptures each Mm -hmm. day, and then not just meditating on them, but digging in those scriptures, calming through them and saying, okay, what is God saying to me right here? In Isaiah 26 and three, he says, he will keep me in perfect peace if I keep my mind stayed on him. So while I may be fearful about, you know, my child being in a NICU, or I may be fearful about, oh my gosh, I just got this diagnosis and my doctor's giving me a 2% chance, or I may be fearful about miscarrying again, God has told me to keep my mind stayed on Him. So how Mm -hmm. do I keep my mind stayed on Him? I get in the word, and pull out those scriptures that speak to my situation, and you know whatever 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 doctor has told me or anybody else has said that's contrary to that word and that promise that God has said about me and my situation. I pray that I speak that over myself, and I think that what helps build faith. You begin to see God as a sovereign God. You begin to see God that this a God that cares and that can do more than enough. Because if you don't intentionally um, fight fear with faith, fear will win. You will begin to think, okay, well, I'm not, I'm never going to be a mom or I am going to miscarry again or whatever the case sure. may be. But I think when we begin to apply the Word of God to counteract that feeling of fear mm-hmm. and you're standing on the Word and the promise of what He said in that Word, then, yeah, I know what the doctor said, but my God says, da-da-da-da-da, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's what's helped me it, to... To to let go of fear and to hold on to my faith is, you know, making God's voice and His word louder than my current situation or circumstance and what it looks like in the natural.
1: Okay, okay. Did
0: you find it difficult
1: to trust God? To yes. Care? Yeah. I did. No. We're throwing one of your questions back at you. I,
0: but no, <laughs> but because she was just like, you know, you gotta trust God. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna no, doubt, no, no. doubt the Holy Power and whatnot. But no, not at all. You know. Know. No,
2: there are even moments now that I sometimes find it difficult to trust God. I think all, when you're when you're a believer and you you know you trust God and you believe God, you're going to encounter those moments where you're like, okay, God, is this you know this ain't going according to plan? Or you're going to have moments where you question God. You're going to have moments where you probably doubt. But it's what you do in the those moments when you get mm-hmm. ready to, do you just doubt and stay there mm-hmm. or do i doubt yeah but i, I may be down right now but let me go over here and get my bible and see what god is saying about this situation that's the spiritual Look, journey yes every, journey, i think you know? everything is spiritual and so that's what i do that's what works for me mm-hmm. in terms of when i'm you know feeling fearful or doubtful like i have to allow myself to sit in his presence and remind me of his promises. Allow myself to meditate on the word of God and to fill me back up with truth. Because if I don't get filled with that truth, then I'm always going to be operating from a lie. Okay. That's
0: so so, true. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to tell our listeners another reason um, why they need to get this book. Um, you actually provide steps two readers in Mm -hmm. this book and especially enough pages to make sure they're writing down things and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it's just really not a laundry list of scripture, which Mm -hmm. is really cool because sometimes I think we can get books and it's just like, read this, read that, read this. But you know, I, mm-hmm. I really, I really commend you for taking. I feel like the next step yeah. is helping yeah. the listener, especially maybe perhaps if they're new to new to the word or new to God. Yeah. It's not just okay; it's a scripture, but they're not sure how to read it. Yeah, and and apply it. So I appreciate you doing that and Thank helping listeners. I think listeners. that's very
2: important. I don't think it's enough for us to just read a scripture, but we gotta like really look at it and say, okay, God, what are you saying? Like, what is what is what is God saying to me in this scripture? And then how can I apply it to my life? I think that's, that's huge in every area of our walk with Jesus. Like when we're reading the word, not to just take it for, oh, where this is, you know, Hebrews 11 and one or whatever, you know, but what is it saying to me and how do I apply it to my life? What area of my life do I need to apply this? And asking God, where do you need to apply it? Mm-hmm. And so- that's why it's so important for me because I'm not a person where I just open my Bible and just read and be like, okay, I'm done. But I want I want to open my Bible. I want to dig in it. And I want to know what is God saying? What is he saying to me? How is he speaking to my heart? And then how is he telling me to apply it to my life? I think yeah. that's important. If you really want to overcome fear, or overcome whatever you're going through, mm-hmm. um, any type of situation in life, like what God is saying about it and how can you apply mm-hmm. that word to you?
1: Cool, cool. All right, let's let's flip a little bit. Okay. Talk to us about uh, my predestined one. What is that? My
2: predestined one is a nonprofit organization, faith based organization that I founded in February twenty sixteen. Okay. Um, it was birthed out of my again my journey of infertility, going, have, you know, being having two miscarriages and then conceiving my son, and he was a preemie. And so I just remember being home with him. Um, <clears throat> when he got discharged home, I wanted to help other women who were going through infertility. And I wanted to help other women who were in the NICU because when my son was in the NICU, I was just freaked out about work. I was like, man, I still have to go back to work. My child is in the NICU. Like, how's that going? Like, I was just so, so freaked out. And, you know, luckily my husband was like, Hey, don't worry about that. You know, we'll figure all that out. But, when you're in the NICU and your child is fighting for their lives, the bills don't stop coming in, you know, they're still piling up. Mm -hmm. You still got other, you know, responsibilities and obligations and stuff. And so I wanted to um, create this organization to be able to provide support and resources to women and couples that are in NICU or women and couples who are walking through infertility, whether it be a gas card, a food card, or, you know, whatever, hope boxes, you know, when you've gone through loss or you're still in the wait for a baby. So that's why I birthed my predestined one, to be able to, you know, provide support and resources to women and couples who are walking through both of those different challenges. Because it's hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really, really hard. I bet. It's really, really
0: hard. Now, you have more than one chapter, right? Or how, I think we were talking earlier, like there's more than, it's not just here in Dallas.
2: Yes, so we have our Dallas uh, chapter here in Dallas, and that's My Predestined One. And then we just launched support groups in Atlanta, Georgia, and then we launched, an, we launched a support group. We launched a support group in Atlanta, Georgia, and then we have two here in Dallas. Oh, so okay. there's My Predestined One Fertility Support Group, and then there's a My Predestined One uh, Premi Parent Support Group. And then in Georgia, we just have our My Predestined One Fertility Support Group. And mm. we're looking to launch different support groups nationwide, just everywhere so um we're looking for leaders and um people that feel led to be able to give back to these women and couples um who walk the nicu who has personal experience with being in a nicu or dealing with infertility diagnosis and they feel led by God to be able to pour into others who are going through what they have you know gone through as well so yes so we're in Atlanta and we're here in Dallas right now That's
0: awesome. <laughs> That's awesome that is awesome well, so t- tell tell them where they can find right, you right, I mean, you know plug <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is so well, how can they go wow. start a chapter? Yeah. Wow. How can they can go wow. get a book all of that. Yes.
2: So you can go to TiffanyFinley.com um and get your books. Um click on the shop icon and you'll be able to shop for your book. And um that's you can also uh reach me there and my I blog and I Provide support. I'm um, not support. Inspiration and encouragement for women and couples that are walking the NICU and infertility. So um, you can connect with me on my blog. Go ahead and grab your book from tiffanyfinley.com. I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram um, at tiffany underscore finley. And um, the organization, you can go to mypredestinedone.org um, to know more about our mission and our vision and um, how you can get plugged into the different support groups in the different areas and locations. And um, you can find us also on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram at My Predestined One and
1: Facebook My Predestined One. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you guys. We really thank appreciate you. you for being our guest today. Thank you guys for having me. Yes. yes. I, I really hope that this topic just helps encourage more women to speak mm-hmm. up and speak yeah. out you know yeah. mm-hmm. like like you mentioned have we've been discussing it's not something that we yeah. need to be going through alone right. or anything like that you there know? is
2: community there, there is, is community, community. Yeah. I am here any of you listening I am here like mm-hmm. I, I will embrace you and help you walk through
1: it right I really really right. will so yeah I mean well personal story I am a rainbow mom wow yeah yeah so I'm like you know all of these things that you have been talking about like the fear and everything yeah. like that it's i had experienced real. it is yeah. very real yeah and now you know i have two kids now but you know i can definitely relate especially being a black woman yeah. you know a <laughs> woman of a certain age as yes. they say yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, um, you know just going through those things so we i greatly appreciate you for speaking up oh awesome yeah. thank you for having me i'm Absolutely. enjoying it Please check out additional resources, our live event sponsor information and links in our show notes where you can find out more about today's topic past topics as well as the bio of Miss Tiffany Finley our guest mammalogist. We also look forward to giving out a signed copy of Tiffany's book to one of our Facebook group mammalogists. Ooh, so ooh, ooh. Ooh, definitely participate in our group. Uh, we ask you to rate and review this and other episodes or send us an email at mahoganymammalogy at gmail.com then continue the conversation via our Facebook group our newly formed Facebook group i should say instagram and twitter pages until next time i'm tosh and i'm mel and we thank you for listening to mahogany momology bye-bye, bye-bye.